My guest today is a founding member and guitarist for a band that has been around for a long time and is now getting ready to release their first album in about 10 years. I'm talking about Enchant. I'd like to welcome Doug Ott to the show. Doug, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, Roy? How are you? Good, man. How you been? Oh, not bad. Not bad at all. So, first of all, let me say congrats on the new album. It's fantastic. I think all Enchant fans will be super excited when they hear it. Thanks a lot. I know I was, uh, having been a fan for a long time. And I have to tell oh, cool. you, Below Zero is one of my all-time favorite prog songs. It's one of the like staples I go back to years and years later even. Uh, you know, it's such a, it's a song that has stuck in my the top of the collection for forever. So I just wanted to kind of tell you that. Wow. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate hearing that. It's always good to hear from... Uh, you know, the fans and what they like and what their favorite songs are. That was a challenging song to play sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun one to do, that's for sure. You know, I got into you guys sort of, you know, around that time. Um, Blueprint I had and then, and then of course, Wounded. And um, I think at the time there was not a lot of guys doing music like what you guys were doing really. I mean, Dream Theater was kind of big, starting out almost, and then... Queensryche had been around for a while and, and we didn't really know where to get more bands like that you know and then you kind of we someone introduced us to, to your band so that was kind of early on I think before all the Spock's Beards and the whole thing started to come around yeah you know when we first did our style of music when we first got together which was back in 1989 it seemed to us that progressive music had kind of disappeared yeah. And that was kind of our, 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 our thought process was, man, we gotta we gotta make people realize that this is this stuff is cool. It's not it's not dinosaur music, you know, because everybody thought of progressive at that time as, you know, seventies music. Right. So it was kinda of cool to get the response that we did when we finally came out with Blueprint. You know, especially in Europe, and people were just like, whoa, what, what's going on here? You know, we didn't know this music really existed anymore. But of course, everybody tried to put a label on it, you know. Oh, it's prog metal, it's neo-prog, it's whatever. And I was just like, I don't know what you call it, I just know that we were fans of this style, we're fans of these bands that, you know, we've been listening to for a long time. And we want to do, we want to do this stuff and bring it out to the world, and it's pretty cool that the, the uh, we we're fortunate enough to have people accept it, and you know, really, really like what we do. So we're we were really happy that we've just been able to uh, make our music and have people enjoy it. Yeah, and so I guess you guys went through the '90s and then sort of split. Um, you know, what was what brought on the the long hiatus? Where was there other attempts to get the band back together during that time? What what sort of happened there? Well. We never had any plans to stop. You know, we, we came back off of uh, a tour in 2005, which was a, uh, I think it was the 
10 anniversary, 10th anniversary Inside Out music. And uh, it was us and Spock Spirit and California Guitar Trio. Yeah, and, it's, and we had a, you know, just a great tour, came back from Europe, um, you know, took a little time off, and then we got back together, started working on stuff, and all this stuff started happening. Um, so it started out with Ed, and he uh, ended up going through a really, really freaking terrible divorce. So his mind was somewhere else. Um, Sean got married, and uh, his wife got pregnant, and then they had a baby. <laughs> so that took his mind away from Enchant. And then Ted uh, ended up getting a divorce, and then Ed got remarried, and then Ted got remarried. So like it was one thing after another. Seemingly right. just kept pushing us away from, you know, what we wanted to do. So we'd get together, we'd go for a month or two, start working on material, and then something would happen, and then we'd stop for a month or two, and then be like, okay, well, let's get back together and work on this, work on that. And then Ted moved three hours north of us, so that was another thing. It was like he wasn't really hanging out with us anymore. It was gone. It's harder to see him. Um, it's just life just got in the way. Yeah. And every time we tried to kind of kickstart it again, something would seemingly stop it. It wasn't until um, 2000, really 2011, that I just kind of said, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this meandering. I really want to do another record. I really want to do some stuff. I've been writing you know, the whole time, working on other projects and stuff. And uh, we all got together. It was actually Ted's 40th birthday party. We got together for Ted's part, uh, birthday, and we played like five or six Enchant songs at the party. And we all looked at each other like, "What the hell are we doing? <laughs> this is this is like riding a bike for us. When the five of us were together. It's something really special." And uh, that really kind of kickstarted us getting back and and working on stuff again. Yeah, I wanted to. I was wondering about that when when you guys started playing. How easy was it to sort of get back in the groove and 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 pick up where it left off? It was it was really simple, you know. I hadn't recorded, you know, any new enchant music in a long time. I hadn't engineered and produced a record for the band in so long that, you know, I was a, a, a little worried about getting back on that bike and, and if I would have the same chops and the ability to get it done. But as soon as we got together and started working on the music, it was like it was yesterday we did it. It was no, it was just simple. It was really, really like, a, you know, a favorite pair of jeans or an old shirt that you love and you put it on after years of not seeing it and you go, wow, this fits just like it did, you know, a year ago or, or yesterday. And uh, it was it was really simple. Yeah, I mean, in the new album, which uh, comes out, I think in a couple of weeks, the 29th and thirtieth, I think thirtieth in the in the U.S. Um, That's correct. Really sounds like nothing changed. I mean, it, it's it's fresh and and sort of a new take on it, but it's enchant as as everyone would remember it. And um, so, when you started writing. Uh, how did the, the ideas sort of happen this time? Was it as before? Uh, were you bringing in some ideas, or, or did you guys work on things together? Um, well, mainly it's always me bringing in 
something that I've written. I have the, what I call the, some people call it a, a gift. I call it a curse <laughs> of, uh, of when I pick up an instrument and I sit down and play and, I, and a song starts to form, I hear everything at once. So I hear the drums, I hear the bass, I hear the guitar riffs, the melodies, the singing, the keyboard parts. Um, so for years, I get this big kaboom, here's this song, and I would record everything and demo it, and then we'd give it to the guys and say, okay, play it. And then we get together, we play it, we tweak it a little bit, and then we record it. This time around, I really had to step back because I really wanted, um, especially Sean and Ed and, and uh, Bill, I really wanted those guys to have more ownership of Enchant. And I figured the best way for them to feel more a part of it would be to feel more a part of the writing process. So what I did is I didn't write all the keyboard lines, I didn't write all the drum beats, I didn't write all the bass lines. I wrote the guitar mainly, um, and you know some piano parts just for structure purposes. And then I would say, okay, here it is. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm thinking would sound cool. What do you guys want to do? And then I would give it to them, and then they would come back and say, what do you think about this? So they were much more a part of the actual arranging of those ideas that I that I have and that's the way that it happened with this album and the guys were much more involved in uh, the actual song structure and uh, you know their own individual parts how long did it take to record from beginning to end and, and actually a question to tie with that is uh, almost every band that I, I get the opportunity to speak with these days uh, they almost never record together it's all done cross country online and the whole thing did you guys sort of approach it that way as well well, the technology certainly makes it a lot easier than it used to be. Like, we did Blueprint, a perfect example. We did Blueprint, everybody had to be in the studio at the same time. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we paid for a, a very big studio in San Francisco where Faith No More and Joe Satriani and other people have been doing records there. Um, um, actually, as we were doing Blueprint, Michael Mannering was next door doing uh, his uh, sort of his solo records. Alex Skolnick was coming in. All these different players were coming in. Um, and you know, the process was was very cool. And, and 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 you know, Blueprint turned out to be a really great record for us. But the process was so long and so extremely expensive. Yeah. And that was nineteen eight. That was nineteen ninety three when we had to record that record. And it cost us $45,000 to do that record. No kidding. Um, now, and I learned this right after that, I decided, I said, you know what? I fired the producer we had. Um, Steve Rothery ended up helping us out. Um, but I decided, you know what? I want to be more in control of what's going on here. I don't want to have to spend this kind of money and drive to San Francisco an hour and an hour back for me um, and most of the guys in the band. So we decided, let's, invest in, in the studio and, and so we built the auditorium and we've been using that studio since 1996 and uh, it just made it a lot easier but now the technology even got further with Skype and Dropbox and stuff like that it really made it easier because that album took two months to record I mean I think we did uh, April and May I think it was, oh, it was May and June it was two months this year 
to do. Um, it, it probably would have taken longer if we had to schedule every guy to be in the studio at the same time. Right. So what we did for a year is we got together uh, one night a week. And that was Wednesday night. We'd get together and we would work on stuff and then the guys would leave and I would take whatever we worked on and I would go and I would work on it in the studio, you know, putting together the template that we're going to use to record it, click track, you know, that kind of stuff, whatever we needed to do. Bill was really instrumental in helping me do that as well. Um, but we'd always try the parts out at my house and our, at the studio, and then it, guys would go away and improve on them. So a lot of times, Ed would call me and say, hey, I got this really cool idea you know, for this part, and he would just record it and send it, the file to me, and I could listen to it and put it actually into the song. And go, hey, that, that works really good, or you know what, hey, it's just kind of clashing here, maybe you could do this or whatever. Bill did the same thing. Um, and then with Ted, it was really simple because he's got his own studio at his house now, so it was just a matter of we call each other and say, hey, this is what I want to have happen. And I, a lot of people don't know this, but all the songs that I write, I sing all the parts and then I give it to Ted. Oh, okay, so cool. he gets to hear he gets to hear the song as I envisioned it. Now I don't I don't have Ted's voice, obviously. Um, uh, but it's really cool because he really knows what I want to hear. And then he lays down his part and he sends it back to me and says, what do you think? And then we, we, we kind of go back and forth a little bit. So that album was, this album was completely done that way. Um, although we were in the studio a lot together, the actual recording part was, was more me and Ed, me and Sean, uh, Bill by himself, Ted by himself. Um, so it was a, it was a lot different than we used to do it. I mean, it used to be that I was in the studio for every second of everything recorded. It was the first time that I wasn't actually standing with Ted in the studio after 20 years of being in a band together, 20 something years of being in a band together, which was kind of scary for me, honestly. But you know, he's every. But that's another thing where everybody everybody has matured so much as musicians that. I realized that I didn't need to have such a tight grip on everything. Right. And, and I, I, you know, released that grip and allowed the guys to kind of shine on their own a little bit more. And it really came back and proved to me that, you know, the more I give them, the more they, they can do. And I was certainly didn't feel that way, you know, when we were back doing, you know, Blink of an Eye and Tug of War. That's interesting. And I, I guess that sort of comes out in the music on, on the album. Everything, it, it sounds like a tight band, very loose. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, do you sort of hear the result from that on the new approach? Well, good. I'm glad that it worked out that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was a little worried at first, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm very fortunate to be in a band with, with four other guys that know what the fuck they're doing. Right. And, uh, you know, I I may be the the musical visionary of the band, but, man, I, I've, I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by guys that, that actually have the minds and the talent that they do. I don't know how it all happened. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> One of the main parts of the new album that sticks out to me is the uh, that main sort of guitar keyboard theme in, in the song, The Great Divide, uh, which is really, really memorable. I've, hear, I've heard bands talk about where they go through the writing process of an album and they come to one song or one part where 
there's a sort of a light bulb where they go, that's it. That's that's the sound. That's the song we're going for. We, we know what we want to do. Was that a, a point for you guys or what, was there a point for you guys that that, that sort of happened? You know, it, it's funny because that song is the oldest Enchant song that exists. And what I mean by that is I wrote the beginning riff of that when I was 17 years old in my bedroom. No way. That's after incredible. After listening... After listening to Yes Drama, um, and I, I was, you know, I was seventeen. I was figuring I'd only been playing guitar two years, and I was figuring out the different things about the instrument. And I, when I, one thing I realized listening to Drama was that Steve Howe played a lot of chords up high on the neck that didn't have the bass notes in it, and it freed up a lot of room for the bass and the and and. Uh, Rick Wakeman's keyboards, and I thought, wow, that's really neat. I didn't, you know, because learning guitar, I never, I never was taught guitar. I learned it on my own, self-taught. So no one ever said to me, "Oh, you just play part of the chord." I figured you had to play the entire six strings almost every time, you know. Right. You're playing the A major, or whatever, and it's fifth fret, and it's from the first string all the way to the sixth string, and. So I came up with this pattern, the dank, 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 dank. I came up with that pattern, and I thought, that's really cool. So I kind of used it as an exercise, and I would go through it, and I'd pick it, or I'd play it fast, or whatever. I brought it in into Enchant in around 1990, and nobody liked it. They were like, eh, we don't know what to do with that. So... Paul Craddock was like, ah, I don't really know what you're doing. And, you know, our old bass player was like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So I just shelved it. I kept bringing it back, and nobody could get it. No one really got it. And then one day I was playing it, and this was somewhere in 2012 when we were working on new material, and Sean and Ed had come in the studio. I didn't know they were there, and I was playing it. And they both walked in and said, dude, what the fuck is that? That's cool. <laughs> And I said, well, oh, you know, it's this idea I you know, wrote when I was 17. They're like, well, let's play with that. So Sean jumped on the drums. Ed jumped on the bass and said, you know, what bass note should I use? And I went like, well, the chord's basically this, but it could also be this. So he started playing around the pattern. We started playing around with the groove. Bill showed up a few minutes later. He started playing it, and we all thought it was really cool. But it took literally almost to the week before we recorded to have that song finished. It was. It took a long time to arrange. It took a long time to figure out other parts to put in the song that actually worked. So we, it was a labor of love, but it took a long time. And I wrote that melody pretty much like two weeks before we recorded the song. <laughs> it was the one thing that was missing That's to me. Funny. I was like, there's something missing. We need a melody here. And everybody was like, oh, dude, I don't know. You know, the feel's so cool. And I had that melody in my head. Somehow it was just there. And I played it. And I laid it down. And I sent it to Bill. And he said, dude, that's really cool. So he doubled it and sent it back to me. Right. I sent it to the band. And they were like, okay, that's it. That's the freaking, that was a key that was missing. So, I mean, that's, I think, one of the reasons why we, we named the album after it, too, because it's kind of the tour de force song for me on the album. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Especially in, in adding the story of it being... Uh, God, what is that now? It's like twenty years or something. Uh, that's pretty amazing that uh, that it came around. I, I wish, I wish it was twenty years. <laughs> I, I just turned I just turned fifty two weeks ago. So. <laughs> that's funny. Well, you dated yourself, not me. So. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm perfectly happy with the age that I am. The uh, the other song, uh, the single, the the one you guys released the video for, which uh, within an inch, uh, you wrote about that it was sort of a near death experience, and and that I mean, what what's the story behind that one? Uh, when I was 20, so that'll be 30 years ago, um, I uh, had a really horrible forklift accident where I was driving a forklift and. Um, I rolled it and I flew out and the thing rolled over me. So 6,000 pounds, three tons. Wow. Pinned under this forklift. Crushed my pelvis. Um, I spent two months in the hospital and a year learning how to walk again. So it was a really changing point in my life. Um, a milestone is probably an understatement. What happened was that particular day, I was thinking, well, I guess I'm not going to be doing music in my life. I guess I'm going to be a business person. And my stepfather was grooming me to take over his company that I was working at, it's an oil company. And I thought, I was really depressed, thinking like, man, all I want to do is play music and, you know, I guess it's a pipe dream, you know, and I guess I should do the smart thing and follow this other path, even though it's not what I want to do. My heart was somewhere else. And then this accident happened literally an hour after these, these thoughts were in my head. And everything changed. And waking up in the hospital two days later, being on a, a, a breathing machine, um, having more needles in me than I'd had birthdays at that point, uh, and almost dying literally made me look at life completely different and I decided that you know I need to do whatever I want to do because life is short and this is a 20 year old thinking this by the way not somebody who's 50 with the you know, knowledge and wisdom I have now but sure. as a 20 year old kid I was like you know well life is short all that stuff my parents were telling me is true you know um, so I decided to be a musician and in the hospital, that was like, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And once I got out, I told my parents that, you know, hey, I'm not going to follow this path. I'm going to be a musician. And a couple months later, I moved back um, to where Ed lived because he was my best friend. And we started playing together at, at that time again. We started playing together when we were 15 years old. Um, so that story was really about the incident itself and how close to death I was and that I wasn't even sure that I was going to make it through. Um, and you know, only a few people really know that story. I'm not told actually that you're the first person out of all the interviews I've done that has asked me what, what the song was about. Well, um, that's, that's really but, interesting. Uh, and, uh, and I can imagine something like that might do that to you sort of, you know, you have a, a life altering epiphany type thing. Yeah. And, you know, and, the, and the epiphany is not in the song. It's just a story of leading up to that point of right. you know, what happened Right. and how it felt um, but it was a it was a it was a song I had to write um, and I'd been I written I wrote that song probably around 2005 or 2006 so it's probably the only song that wasn't a newer piece of music you know that we started playing together on working on this record well wow, that's pretty uh, pretty crazy man very cool though um what uh, what plans are there for the band to uh, to tour, if any? Have you guys talked about that? Well, yeah, we've been talking about it quite a bit, actually. Um, 
you know, the the record company, we're, we're associated, obviously, with Inside Out and have been. We were the first band to be released on Inside Out uh, 20 years ago, Blueprint, which is coming out on vinyl in a couple of days, actually, I think. Um, um, but we're also in, 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 um, hooked up with Century Media now, which is a great company, and they do a lot. Um, both companies don't really do handle tour stuff anymore, like like Inside Out used to handle all of our tour stuff. So it's kind of fallen on the band's shoulders a little bit. It's not that we don't have the support, it's just that they don't really plan it all out for you and, you know, like they used to. So we've been talking to it, and I've been talking to a few promoters, um, one here in the States and then one in uh, Europe, and uh, we're talking about going out in... Um, spring of next year and doing a selected amount of dates in the, in the states and then going to Europe so nothing solidified yet we're you know waiting for the album to come out and see what happens um, you know being gone so long one of the biggest fears that we had is that we'd be forgotten sure. so you know we don't want to plan some giant tour and then go and find out what you know those 40 people showing up at the gig <laughs> that, that brings me to the next question which is you know you guys, like like we said in the beginning, sort of started the this new wave of prog bands, you know, back in, in the early 90s. And um, so how do you sort of see the landscape now? Because it seems to me it sort of has grown in the last few years. There's a lot more bands. You got the, the prog magazine and these prog awards that they're doing, which are happening today, actually, I think. And, uh, you know, so... Have you sort of paid attention to newer bands and kind of see what's going on? Are you, are you feeling that it's uh, maybe a healthier time for it, or or, or maybe not? Well, I you know I'm always listening to things. People always send me stuff. I mean, all my friends are musicians, and you know the genre of music that we're in isn't the only genre of music out there. And it's not the only music I listen to, um, but I have kept my finger on the pulse of what's been going on. And, um, you know, it seems like there has been a resurgence and a, and a better resurgence, I think. You know, when we came out in 90, you know, because Enchant started in 1989. So from 1989 to 2000 to 1994, in that five-year period, we were playing from L.A. to, you know, Northern California, um, and writing music, putting out demos, and there was just a few bands around that were doing anything close to what we were doing, and, and just in the sense of being progressive. I had the very first um, Dream Theater record on a, on a bootleg tape somebody had given me, um, and there was a couple other guys around that I had known in the Bay Area that were doing some stuff. Um, and then when Dream Theater came out with Images and Words, it really seemed to spark you know, the virtuosity aspect of, of progressive music. And bands just started popping out of the woodwork, it seemed like. Um, and by the time we got Blueprint out, and then but then when the time we, by the time we got to Wounded, it seemed like prog metal was everywhere. And, and there was a million Dream Theater, you know, clones. Yeah. And every band I knew was doing, you know, trying to do like what Dream Theater was doing. And, you know, I looked at that and going like, man, that's not good. Because it's not really, it's, the genre's not really growing. It's kind of staying in the same vein with a bunch of, 
it's kind of like when a studio puts out a movie and then all the other other studios try to do a similar type of film and they they're more of a watered down version. Yeah, you know, it's like there was Star Wars and then there was like oh Disney's Black Hole. <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> that's the way I kind of felt about what was happening with a lot of the bands. Um, this time around, especially the last couple of years, seems like with and I, and I, and I was just I think there's a, a handful of bands that have really helped this scene grow, and that would be Spock's Beard is one of them. You know, Dream Theater's still there, still doing their thing, which is really cool. Um, but you also had like heavier bands like Tool and stuff like that that kept people interested in technical music. And then you had you know Transatlantic, Neil going out on his own. Um, these things sparked a lot of newer bands, and now you just got some really cool bands out there. Um, like ha- uh, Hawken is awesome. I just listened to their Mountain album yesterday, and I was like, man, what a great freaking record this is. Yeah. Um, there's this really cool band out of uh, Australia called Carnival sure. that I just heard for the first time about uh, six months ago. And I was like, man, there's there's some cool stuff happening. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot uh, of diversity with, with all those bands. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of diversity happening, and it seems to me that the concept of progressive music and the definition of the word progressive is actually kind of becoming back true to form again. Where I'm hearing things that are new and fresh, where most of the 90s and you know a lot of the early 2000s, there was a lot of stuff that just seemed to me to be rehashing what everybody else had already done. So I think it's a really a good time to get a new album out because I think people are open to it, but there's more competition again. So it could be a double-edged sword. Well, hopefully not. I think you guys will be doing great with this album. Uh, Again, The Great Divide, which comes out in a couple of weeks, September 29th and 30th. Uh, Make sure everybody goes and checks it out. Um, Listen, Doug, thanks for speaking with me again. It's really treat. This is really interesting stuff. And um, I wish you all the best with the new album and everything. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. I'd like to thank Doug for the interview. We're going to play a track off the new Enchant album, The Great Divide, a song called Within an Inch. For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theprogreport.com. Thanks. <laughs>